Praise God. Tears of joy, anybody? Man. Um, yes, we can li- release Flip 180 if you guys want to be released. If you have a fifth through seventh grader, uh, you can be released right now um, to go back to your class. I'm glad they stay in with us for worship. Man. All right. Praise God. It's good to see everybody. Good to see you. Well, thank you, Shelby. Good to see you. I love you, man. I love you, man. <laughs> or I love you, woman. Man, I'm trying to think where I'm going to go here, man. Got 20 or so minutes. You guys want the Word of God? Mm. Word of God is a powerful thing. It changes your life. You know that? Man. Well, over the last uh, several weeks... Um, we have been talking about discipleship and out of Matthew 4.19 over quite a long time, it says, uh, it says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And fishers of men being disciples of the Lord, there's some things that the Lord looks for in our hearts when it comes to following him. How many love following Christ? We're learning to not be a fan, but to be a follower, amen? And uh, there's a lot to following the Lord, and so uh, we've been on a series, and um, one of the things that we've talked about, I'm kind of tagging uh, Brian's message last week when he was talking about spiritual maturity and growing in our faith, and he talked about different areas of where we're at in our spiritual growth, and every one of us are in a different place spiritually, and we need to discover where we're at. And uh, part of discovering where we're at is um, so we can know what we need to do in order to, to, to move our ball down the field, to, to progress in our faith and our love for Jesus Christ. Because it's about growing. It's about moving. It's not about staying stagnant and staying where we're at. Uh, many, many in the body of Christ have done that for years, and churches stay the same. And there's, is there any forward movement? But the only way this church is going to move forward is if we each one individually move forward, right? And so we're, we're a body, we're a family, and we're wanting to move forward in our walk with Jesus Christ. And one of the things that's important in moving our, in our walk and maturing in our, in our relationship with God is that we do that not in isolation, but we do that in the context of relationship. In the context of how I relate to you and the relationships I have with each of you and you have with each other, the context of growing in our walk with God, even the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Because in the assembling of yourselves together, in our relationship with one another, we actually grow in our walk with Christ. And I'm going to go into an area today, and I don't know how far I get, it doesn't really matter, we'll go as... I'll just go and, and then I'll stop wherever the Spirit of God stops us. But it's, it's really important that we grow in our relationships with each, with each other because if we grow in our relationship with each other, a byproduct of it is you will grow in your relationship with God. <clears throat> and even the, the, uh, the example that Brian used was that video where if the, if the healthy cells are healthy, they start bouncing off each other 
and healthy cells make other cells healthy, and we begin to create life. We create life. But if a cell is dead and has no life in it, the other cells around it begin to die. And so it's really important that we be in relationship. Can I have an amen on that? You can participate with me today. And so I'm going to talk about relationship and creating a relational context because really in America, we don't do relationship well. And because we don't do relationships well, we are not growing as well as we could in our walk with God because we don't do relationship well. Now, I'm going to give you, I'm going to go somewhere today and I'm going to try to convince you that we need to do relationships better. Are you guys okay with that? In a purpose, in a plan, because I know that if we get this down, we will actually all grow in our walk with Christ. It will be a byproduct. We will grow. And I'm not talking about growing in numbers. I'm talking about growing in our walk with Christ, growing in our faith, okay? And so, like this week, we are all going to celebrate Thanksgiving, right? Is anybody not looking forward to some of your relationships with your family? How many will be honest with me that there may be just a few in the family that you struggle with? Come on, no, come on, participate with me. Seriously, anybody? Anybody you're dreading being around? Okay, yeah. Michael's the only one. He's saying, no, I love them all. I love them all. We love them all, but you can love but not like. And we need to work on all of that, right? How about in the church? Are there any relationships in the church that you may be struggling in your relationship with people in the church? I know it's me. It's my fault. You're struggling with me. I know it's rough. I'm the cross that you must bear. Any friendships, any relationships within the church that you might be struggling with or you might be at odds with? Any relationships at work? How about those coworkers? Any great relationships at work you struggle with? Oh, students, how about at school? Is there any problems at school with relationships? Everywhere. Lots of drama in high school. Lots of drama in high school. I have a witness. Yeah, buddy. I missed something over here. Well, I know we're getting ready to go to family and friends, and we all have relational issues. And what I want to do is naturally our relationships within the church and within our friendships here, I really want to see them get healthier. Anybody else? There is a real issue of relational poverty in the church and in America. Now, here's the deal. It's not just in the church. It's in, the, in our culture. It's everywhere. But here's the deal. Can you believe this? In the last two decades, we have went from nine close friends as an American down to 1.75. Now, I know I can't split Christian tree in three quarters and make it him a three quarter, but it's just like the family dream, you know, of 1.5 kids or 2.5 kids and I have a picket house with a picket fence and all that kind of stuff. But in two decades, America has went from nine close friendships down to 1.75. And 25% of Americans say they have no one. They have no one to confide in. They have no real close, deep friends. Does that amaze anybody? No. Well, what about all those friends on Facebook? I got 645 friends. 
acquaintances. Most people don't even know how to communicate anymore. It's this, right? Social media has really affected our relationships. We actually say something, same, we actually say things to people over social media that we would never say to them face to face. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday over text, and I kind of took it wrong, and I said, hey, what do you mean by that? And they go, blah, 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 blah. oh, okay, just want to make sure. Because as you know as well as I do, texting, you get no emotion, you get no understanding. I mean, you, you get just a little bit. A little dabble do you, right? And so our relationships are very, very taxed. And I want to do something about that, amen? So what we're going to do is we're going to go into some relationship things today. And we're going to uh, change uh, the relational poverty that uh, we are experiencing because I don't know about you, but we need deeper friendships in this house. We need deeper relationships in this house where people care for one another. Where people love one another deeply. Can I have an amen on that? Okay. Well, are you willing to go and find out what we need to do to get there? According to the 2013 GetLifeBoat.com survey, have no why, no idea why they call it GetLifeBoat.com, but that survey, this is what it said: there is a crisis of confidence in friendships today. That people are no longer confident in the people they call friends. According to the survey, this is what people are looking for in relationships. So here's what people are looking for in friendships. You guys ready for this? People are looking for a mutual affection. That's a shared fond attachment, a devotion or love for one another. They're looking for mutual sympathy where we share our feelings of, of another, sharing the feelings of another and caring about those feelings. And it also means harmony. Now I want you to, before I go any further, I want you to now... I want you to think about a relationship that you may be in conflict with right now, a friendship where you may not be in harmony. Can everybody just right now take a moment to say, because you got to be, I mean, there's got to be some relationship you're just not quite in harmony with. Is there anybody that got one? Or maybe a relationship that you long to have a relationship with. Maybe there's somebody you really, really want to have a relationship with, and it's just not there yet. Has everybody got one? Okay. Because I want you to begin to look at this thing, and I want, to, I want you to begin to see. This is what people are looking for in relationships, and I want you to think, where am I at in my relationships with people? Am I, and do they, give this kind of stuff to me? Guys, does that make sense? So again, mutual honesty. They, people want... To be able to share truthfully, being frank with or sincere about feelings without fear of judgment, punishment, or rejection. It's like, you know, I want to be able to say, you know what, I just don't like that. And not worry about you rejecting me. Anybody else want that? People, now, I did not know what altruism is. Anybody else know what altruism? Maybe you do. Maybe you're an English great, great in English. Mutual altruism. Everybody say altruism. 
may not even be now how you pronounce it. What it means is sharing selflessly, the practice of unselfish concern or devotion to the welfare of others. Wow, does anybody want that in relationships? Woo, a party time. Mutual understanding, sharing and understanding each other, comprehending or interpreting each other properly. How many hate it when you're misunderstood? It's like, man, you're reading my heart completely wrong. You really don't know me. Because I would never do that. Anybody ever been misunderstood? How about this mutual compassion? This is something that's lost in our world. Sharing deep sympathy. I think everybody has sometimes deep sympathy and sorrow for somebody, but it's what's accompanied with it. Sharing deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is in a trial accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. You mean there's a desire for me to help them? It's not just, oh man, life stinks for you. Sorry. Have a good day. But there's this compassion that's, that's inside of our hearts. Now, and, and what we're going to see is all this stuff comes from an unbiblical survey but they're all biblical principles. Okay, you ready to see the next one? This is what people want in a friendship with you. They want mutual enjoyment. Sharing enjoyment with each other's company, sharing fun together. They actually want to be with you, and they, you want to be with me. Chris and Mike, you guys are buds, right? You want to be together. You enjoy each other. Mutual trust, mutually relying on the integrity, strength, and ability of a person. There's a confidence, confident expectation of a person. And then the last one, the ability to be oneself. I like that one. Being able to freely express one's feelings and make mistakes without fear of judgment, punishment, everybody say, or rejection. So take that person that's in your brain and, and kind of go over these things. And do you really have a friendship? Now, Webster's Dictionary on a friend says mutual affection between two or more people. It's a little less defining, isn't it? What about your close friends? Do you have 1.75? I don't know what quarter you cut off of the person, but... You know, the mouth. <laughs> that might be a really good part to cut off. Especially if they're your child. <laughs> no. Or Mike's saying my wife. <laughs> I don't know, you know. <laughs> Some days. Jesus had 12 guys that he hung out with a lot, didn't he? And then he had three that he would go off with, Peter, James, and John, and he would spend a little more undivided time with them. I mean, just think about it. You're with the 12 disciples, and you're hanging out. Maybe you're having one of those miracle lunches of fish and bread, and all of a sudden, uh, Jesus says, um, hey, you 12, I'll see you in a few minutes. Peter, James, and John, come on, I want to show you something. Come on, we're going to go over here. And, and, and let's just, just, just talk about maybe the jealousy that might come up with the other, the other ones. 
and they're over here and, and, and they're experiencing the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. I mean, they're over here and Moses and Elijah show up. This happens. And a bright light shones, shines. And guess who gets to experience it? Peter, James, and John. And they go, Peter goes, dude, should we build an altar here? One for you and Moses and Elijah? No, Jesus said, no. Just go back to the other guys and don't tell them what happened. I don't want to create any jealousy in their heart, you know. Because, you know, we're tight. We're, we're the buds. But then there was another one. Ah, John the Beloved says he laid his head on the chest of Jesus. John was just a little deeper. He was just a little tighter. And so Jesus had these fears of relationships that all of us are supposed to have. Some are a little closer. Some are a little on the outside. And, and then there, there was the 70 that Jesus then had. And he just didn't spend as much time with the 70. That's kind of like the congregation. You know, I don't get to spend time with all of you. If I did, I would be dead. <laughs> there just ain't enough of me to go around. I mean, I know I'm a big man. But it just wouldn't happen, would it? Jesus had no ability to spend that kind of time with 70 men. He shrunk down his group, okay? And he had all these mutual enjoyment, mutual trust. He had all these things in his relationships. Now, what about your relationships? I know there's some here that say, man, nobody cares about me. I know there are people here, you're right now, you're going, I would just like to have one. I mean, there's 25% of Americans say they don't have any. So one in four people in this room there's a chance you don't have anybody really, really close to you. And that's a shame. Can I have an amen on that? That's just not right. We want to change that. Can anybody want to bear witness with that? Wow. So if I have all these, what do all these things have in common? You guys are fast. All these definitions have the word mutual in them. What does mutual mean? I can't hear you. Both ways, Chris Gentry. Way to go, big boy. Both ways. I don't give you enough credit. It, mutual means, what do you think it means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it means both ways. The definition of mutual is it's reciprocal. It is given or felt by both parties. It's shared. It's matching. It's balanced exchange between two people. I remember in college, there were some other girls that I had to, there was some staff, I was a staff at Ball State, and I can remember the drama when I had to work the desk. Oh, the drama. <laughs> She wasn't spending any time with me. You know, and you know, I mean, come on. It wasn't mutual. It wasn't two-way. One had all the power. The other didn't have the power. One did all the talking and all, the other one did all the listening. One does all the giving and one does all the receiving. 
Relationship means mutual. It means a balance. It means it's not one way. It's not one-sided. It means that you're just as involved in the relationship as I am. It means you call me as much as I call you. It means you text me and I text you. It means I think of you when you're going through something and you think of me when I'm going through something. I'll never forget one time years ago. I've shared this story many times. Person I was in relationship, I was helping them, and my wife had surgery. And we, my wife was at home, and the guy called, are we still meeting? Are we still meeting? I said, no, my wife's had surgery, and I need to take care of my wife. And he got mad. He got mad at me that I wasn't still meeting with him. We may have a problem in Houston. And so the following week, I met with him. And he comes to me and I said, hey, did you get upset with me last week when I didn't meet with you because my wife had surgery? Yeah, I did. It's okay. I said, I'm really hurt. He said, well, why? <laughs> uh, let me think about it. I said, you still haven't asked how my wife was doing. You still didn't ask what kind of surgery she had. You still haven't asked if there's anything wrong with her. For all as you know, she's dead and dying of cancer, and you're worried about meeting. Is that a mutual relationship? Is that a mutual relationship, Chris? Are your relationships mutual? Is your relationships mutual? It's even higher than that. It's 100 100 Here's what Jesus said. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What does that mean? What do you give in your relationships? I loved Gary Tower this week, sent me a text and said, Eric, I'm praying for you. You've been on my heart this week. Precious. When he came to church this morning, I said, thank you for giving out of yourself. I told him several weeks ago or months ago, I said, Gary, if you need healing in your body, I said, start praying for people. Start reaching out to people who need healing and watch what God will do in your own physical body. I said, you give what you need. And if you need friendships, you give friendship. If you have no friends, you may be the problem. Dang, Eric. <laughs> if you don't have friends, you're the problem. Yep. 
Because you're not giving of yourself to anyone else, but you're only wanting to receive. But the Bible says, if I will give, it will be given to me. Pressed down. Now, I don't give friendship just so I can get friendship. It's not about getting what I want. We're talking about a man reaps what he sows. And if a man reaps friendship, it's because he's a friend. And so it requires you to do something. Going to do cartwheels up here next. Paul said this Romans in Romans 1. He says, I long to see you. He was talking to the Romans. <laughs> Pretty smart of the thing. Yeah. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Are people mutually encouraged by your faith? You guys tracking with me? Everyone wants to receive all these attributes. Everyone wants to receive them. That's a perfect relationship right there. Would you agree with me? Everybody wants to receive it, but few are willing to give it. Am I making any sense? Now, here's the good news. There's, 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 there's good news. The power of God is inside you to be all this stuff. The power of God is inside you. If you've asked Christ inside of your heart, there is a seed of Christ inside you to be this. But our culture, we're going upstream, folks. And upstream, we're going upstream. This is not what our culture is saying. This is not what our culture is doing. Our culture, we have a culture of isolationists. Even today, in, in, in architecture, they literally make homes with small front porches and big back decks. Privacy fences, you come home, you hit a garage door opener, you go in the garage door and you shut the door and you are safe from the world. Nobody has time for relationship. Nobody has time for anything. Do I have a witness? Does anybody have time? It's marginal. But these are, we're going, we, we're, we're going to go for this. Can I say I have an amen on that? We're going to go for this. We're going to go for this in our relationships. We're going to start giving this even if we don't get it. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We got some healthy sowers in here, don't we? Say, I'm a healthy sower. I'm going to sow friendship. I'm going to sow love. I'm going to sow trust. I'm going to enjoy people. <laughs> and they're going to enjoy me. <laughs> See, I believe we have relational poverty in America because relationships are not mutual. Most relationships are one way. One does all the giving and one does all the taking. And I believe, God, if we're going to grow 
Spiritually, we've got to grow relationally. When Brian was talking about spiritual maturity, we even need to grow in our maturity when it comes to relationships. Many of us are children or infants when it comes to how we relate with people. And we need to mature in our ability to relate with people. And we need to mature in our giving. Because basically what a child or an infant does is what? Say that again. I still can't hear you. Cries. That, yeah, cries. Pee, poop, or puke. A couple years ago, Denny Kramer came and he said, man, I'm prophesying over you. Change your leadership style now. Get rid of the baby diapers. Get rid of the baby bottles and give people hand grenades, rifles, and all that good stuff. And you guys got so sick and tired hearing me talk about that. Right? Be honest. It's grow up time, right? Well, babies and infants, and when it comes to relational with relationships, it revolves around them. And we have got to change that. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. We wanted to start sowing generously. Amen? Okay. I'm going to show you a cute little video about friendship. Oh my gosh, it's 12.06. And we're going to talk about the ingredients of friendship. Go ahead, guys. So we're going to make a bowl of soup. Wait, like a real bowl of soup? <laughs> Actually, what we're making is friendship soup. Um, uh, Do you know what friendship soup is? Uh, ingredients in soup. What's like the ingredients in your You're mixing friends? together all of uh, your steps. So how do we make friendship soup? Uh, so you buy the jar at the store. I don't think friendship soup is something you can buy. Seriously? Seriously. We're gonna make it right here. See this pot? Just tell me what to add. Okay. My recipe for friendship, I would use like two sticks of kindness. We probably have a, probably a gallon of goofiness. Like three cups of having fun. Jealousy, you don't need barely any. You don't need, you don't need any. Three pints of honesty, and you stir them all together. How would you describe honesty? Honesty is just being honest to your friends, like not lying to be cool or like them. Just be yourself so um, they can like you for who you are. Does being honest lead to another ingredient? A teaspoon of arguments. Oh, that can get sticky. What goes well with that? Three tablespoons of um, respect. I would add one and a half cups of safety and a cup of trust. How would you explain trust? Trust is definitely something where like, I could go up to you and tell you something that I've never told anybody else and like trust you to be there for me. This is great. 
Let's write this down. Our recipe for friendship soup included two sticks of kindness, one gallon goofiness, three cups of having fun, three pints of honesty, one little teaspoon of those sticky arguments, three tablespoons of respect, one and a half cups safety, and one cup of trust. What ingredients have you been putting in your friendship soup? All right. Thank you, Jeff. Go ahead and stop that. What ingredients have you been putting into your relationships? What I find that we've been wanting to receive ingredients, many times we don't want to give them. Now, Brian started preaching last week or the week before about what are the ingredients of a relationship. Now, we just seen some there. I'm going to sip, skip several scriptures for sake of time, but if you will get a pen and paper out right now and write these scriptures down, this would be good homework for you to go through the week. I want to flash these scriptures up, but we're going to go to the ingredients and then we're going to wind this thing down because I want us to understand what the ingredients are for friendship soup. Amen? Anybody with me? Okay, you can write down Romans 12, 9. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9. And if you need to get me to give these after service, I can do that as well. And we're going to, we're going to focus on this one today, Colossians 3, 12 through 15. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how we do this as Christians and how we need to do this in our relationships. i got a small object lesson to hopefully help us do this, and we won't spend a whole lot of time. Because this is where, really when it comes down to the, where the rubber meets the road, I basically have built need here of how our relationships stink. I mean, they really do, and we need to work on our relationships. I've talked about how we have to be, if we're going to have a friend, we have to be a friend. And then I want to talk about how we make that work out in our relationships and what we need to do. But here's what Colossians 3 says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, or put on, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together. So these are the, 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 what we're to put on. These are the compassion, the kindness, the gentleness, and here's what it ends up being. We end up wanting everybody else to put that on. I want Connie to put it on. I want Chad, when he relates to me, to put it on. But literally, what it means when we're talking about putting this stuff on, literally, you have to do this number. You have to take action, and you have to clothe yourself. I'm about to lose my microphone. You have to clothe yourself. You literally have to put compassion on. And so when I'm in relationship, and my relationship starts to break down, or it begins to get tense... What we tend to do is we then back away from the relationship and we avoid the person. Anybody else been there? Have you smoked that pipe before? Well, what you're doing is you're taking off humility. When you back away from the relationship, you're taking off humility and now you're putting on pride. Okay? It's like what Shelly shared several months ago about keeping your power on. We let go of our power, but with compassion and kindness, when I get in conflict, I've got to put these things on, so now it's like I've got to really work at being Christ, but what we do is we run from the relationships. 
We run from the trial. I'm having a hard time getting my coat off of. That's a long way back there. So what we do is I get in conflict or I misunderstand someone instead of clothing myself with patience, instead of putting on humility and going to that person to work out the conflict, what I do is I take my coat off of humility and I put my pride on, my self-protection, my guarding myself because that person's not safe and I run from the trial. I run from the relationship, and it's the very thing that God's trying to use to mature your love. The very thing that you've been asking, God, I want friends, I want, I want relationships, I, I want to mature in my walk with Christ. And the very thing that's going to mature you in your walk with Jesus Christ is the relationships around you. It's the very trial that you're in the middle of. It's the very relationship when I don't want to be... I could name a family member. And this Thanksgiving, what I've got to do, I've already got a plan in my heart. I've already got a plan that I'm going to clothe myself. I'm going to put this stuff on when I see that guy. And I'm going to go to him over Thanksgiving, and I'm going to choose love. I'm going to put my coat on of love. I'm going to embrace the conflict, and I'm going to say I love you. I'm going to build the relationship instead of tear it down. I'm going to put on humility instead of taking on pride. Am I making any sense? And so these relationships in the church that you're struggling with, praise God, count it all joy, brethren, when you undergo trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith is to produce something in you. You're actually the problem. And yes, the other person's the problem too. And I'm sure you're right. It's 95% their problem and 5% yours. I'm sure you're right. You have very little to do with the conflict in that relationship. If they would have just invited me. If they would have just called me. If they would have just noticed that I wasn't at church for six whole weeks, but nobody called me. And what I want to say is, when's the last time you called somebody who was missing at church? When's the last time you called somebody that's not here? When's the last time you checked on somebody that's hurting? Oh, I'll never forget. I was out at the Welcome Center one day after church, and I was talking to a dear sister here. <clears throat> And she came up to me and she goes, how's so-and-so? I saw them on the prayer chain. They've been on my heart all week. I said, really? I said, have you called them? I thought about it a couple times. And I said, oh, sweetie, sweetie, please call them. They need to know that you're praying for them. They need to know that you care. And here's what I find so many in the body of Christ. Things come up in our minds to check on people. Things come up about wondering about somebody in the church. And we have good intentions. It's like what Brian said. Good intentions. We want to call somebody, but there's no action. And we got to do the action part of our faith. Action is compassion. 
Action is kindness. Action is humility. Can I have an amen? Gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love. That is all action towards somebody, not towards you. Is anybody else wanting people to be that? Start being it. Start giving it. We got to die to our selfishness. We got to die to making it all about us. And we got to make it about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's what I expect you got to put on your power. You got to put on your power that's on the inside. I am created in the very image of Jesus Christ, who is patience, who is gentleness, who is kindness, who is long-suffering, who is all compassion, all peace. He is that. Greater is he that is in you. I'm telling you, it's in you. It just needs to come out. We need to begin practicing. We need to start putting on our coats. We need to start clothing ourselves with these things. Can I have an amen on that? Because you're going to be tested this Thanksgiving with some relationships. And what ingredients are you putting in? Choose to love. Choose to humble yourself. Choose kindness. Clothe yourself with the ingredients of love. Wow, I just went through that in a rapid succession. Please stand with me. Huh? I just microwaved Colossians 3. And what I say is if you want this and you want friendship, please be one. Here's another phrase I saw when I was studying this. If you're a friend of all, you're a friend to none. Sometimes people are an inch deep and a mile wide. They're friends with everybody, but they're not close with anyone. I can do that pretty easy. I try to be friends with so many people. Anybody else tried that? It doesn't work. Amen. I'm not wanting you to leave discouraged today. I'm wanting you to leave empowered by the Spirit of God. I'm wanting you to leave today with some answers. Because here's what I believe. I believe there's some here who do not have friendships. You're frustrated in your friendships. And you are the one who needs to begin to be the friend. You need to begin to reach out to others. You need to begin to... um, be more intentional in your friendships. You need to be the one who's giving instead of the one receiving. That God's giving you a strategy today of, wow, if there's nobody around me and nobody wants to be around me, what is wrong? I need to start being a friend to somebody. And sometimes we want to be a friend to somebody that doesn't necessarily want to be a friend to us. <laughs> and God wants to say, hey, you just be a friend. You be love. You be humility. You be kindness. And then there's some people here today where you have, you're, you're trying to say, I've got so many friends, <laughs> and I need to be more purposeful with my friends. 
You may be trying to be friends with the 70, and God's saying, bring it down to the 12, bring it down to the three. Be more purposeful and more intentional in your relationships. What is the Spirit of God saying to you right now? What is He wanting from you? As you've heard this message, I believe God's wanting us to mature in our relationships. And He's wanting us to be givers. Givers of humility. Givers of loyalty. Givers of sympathy. Givers of compassion. Givers of friendship. There's some ingredients here that we really need to take home and study because here's what happens to me in my life with my friendships and my relationships. I'm always asking God, God, what does love look like right now? What does love look like right now in this situation? How am I to be loved to this person? Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would deal with all of our hearts. We thank you that we have the power to be great friends. We have the power to have healthy, dynamic relationships because of you. Because you have reconciled us to the Father. God, may we be reconciled in our relationships. We're going to open up the altars. I just really even sense there's some forgiving that some need to do. Maybe where you felt people have let you down. Maybe you need to just let go of some things, if we could put some music on. Maybe you need to run, that's fine too. Maybe you're in a relationship with a spouse and the relationship has been broken down. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you've been wanting them to do all the changing. And today God's showing you, wow, maybe I need to be the one that does the changing. Maybe I need to pour into the relationship. Maybe I need to sacrifice to get off the crazy cycle. Maybe there's a friend that you have that you've been broken, the relationship's been broken, and you long for that relationship to be restored. The Lord may have you forgive them to wipe their slate clean, to, to say they don't owe me anything. And I believe the Lord can give you wisdom today on what to do to help restore that relationship. Maybe you're getting ready to go to Thanksgiving <laughs> and you're going to see mom or dad or a brother and a sister or, or a family member that you're just not wild about. Maybe you need to forgive them. Maybe you need to start giving them what you want. Maybe you need to start sowing love and faithfulness back to them. Holy Spirit, will you just deal with our hearts? Lord, we want to grow in our relationship with you and with each other. And I pray today, God, that you would convict us, challenge us, but God, give us the right recipe ingredients so that we can build our relationships, so that we can grow in you. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. I'm going to just release you right now. If you're a guest with us, we thank you for being with us today. I pray your relationships will be strengthened.
as a result of being here today. But if you're here today and you need prayer, or maybe you need a closer walk with Christ and you need prayer, we'll have the altar team up here to pray with you. But God bless you. Have a great day. And uh, make sure you uh, put the right ingredients into your relationships this week. Bless you.